Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Welcome to this week's show. Got a great show for you. A couple of interviews. Jeremy and Gretchen are with me. And with no further ado, let's go to the news. The news today is sponsored by WeAreTechnology.com. Now with the COVID virus going on is a good time to catch up on your business work. They're available and they're ready for your projects. WeAreTechnology.com. Reach out to my friends over there. They can do web apps. They can do phone apps. Anything you need to get your business rocking and rolling now and in the future. What's in the news today? Norwegian Cruise Line involved in data breach. Okay, so not that there's a good time to have a data breach. Yeah. But this is probably the worst <laughs> time to uh, to have, <laughs> and this especially happen. being a cruise ship, they're yeah. already in deep dog. Deep. Yeah, they're already. I, the, I mean, the whole travel industry is hurting so much. So yeah. There's a lot of others, but uh, it looks like this time it's not the guests, but it's the travel agents, and it's a site uh, that they were using in the European Union, and about thirty thousand records, just a little bit less than that, was leaked with travel agents and different deals and. A lot of information that you don't want to have out there that was being sold and found on the dark web. So they're addressing the problem and getting it fixed, but it just goes to show how this can happen anytime. UK mobile carriers politely ask people to stop burning cell towers. Yeah, and you heard that right. I had to read this a couple of times (laughs) when I saw it. It's uh, So 5G is not causing the coronavirus. I think I can safely say that. Is that what they think? That seems to be a feeling that's out there, and it is not true. The fact of the matter is there have been some concern over certain things to do with 5G technology because of the way the radio transmitters work, but it's with radio um, stuff like that, like energy, nothing to do with a biological virus. And what's happening in the UK is there have been a rash of people burning the cell towers. So what's happening is it's starting to cause problems with communication during this time that we're all locked down. So you have people having to go out and fix these things in the middle of the lockdown, and it's based on information that just isn't the case. So while there is still some concern in some circles about radio energy dealing with 5G and the fact that there's more transmitters and stuff to deal with it, it is not causing the coronavirus. So did somehow the UK get like a portion of it get sent back to the dark ages? Um, well, you know, one's got to wonder, right? You know, and there was another map on this topic that I saw on Facebook where somebody had overlaid uh, in the United States the cases of coronavirus versus a map of where they were deploying 5G. And there was some similarity, but of course, both are being done in higher population centers. I so, see. you know, it's the same idea. Everybody that ate bananas in 1880 has died. It's nothing to do <laughs> with the bananas, but it's just, you know, a correlation that's being made. But all that happens with these type of things is interfering with communication. Not that there would be a good time, but that is really when you don't want something like that to happen. Japan used robots for virtual graduation. So I've wanted a virtual presence unit since I saw it on Big Bang Theory. Yeah, me too. And, you know, Sheldon came up with a really good one there. But Jeremy, you were looking into this. What is what are they doing? Okay, uh, basically, everybody's locked down that they wanted to graduate their students. So this university got two robots, and they took tur- the robots took turns driving across the stage. And now these are robots. They're called New Me, I think. I've never heard the name pronounced. But it's basically a, a motor on the very bottom, and then a central pedestal. It's about five feet tall, and they put a tablet screen where the face would be. 
So they've used these robots in others for other circumstances, but this is the first time it was used for a school graduation thing. So you'd log in, uh, take control of the robot, take your turn to drive it across the stage, see the school president and the person handing you all your the diploma. The staff would say, congratulations. You'd, you know, turn the robot around and then your turn's over. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. So it would receive the diploma. And yeah. So you get to walk across the stage and see the school president hand you something and you get the diploma. Uh, but it, it avoids all the mass gathering problems and it, the idea that you can't leave. So you log in and get to, you know, either view it by by big video call or take your turn driving it across the stage. Right. So it's yeah. kind of cool, it's, you know, the idea of like, hey, let's let's follow the rules and still do stuff. You know, it's a neat <laughs> idea, and it goes to show where technology can be used. I know personally, and I feel sorry for our seniors, both in high school and on college level, that they aren't going to get the graduation this year, you know? Yeah. And it, at least this is something that gives a little bit of something unique to go with it. So I think that's kind of a cool idea. And um, again, using robotics makes a lot of sense right now. Okay, uh, voice over IP companies may lose providers if coronavirus robocalls continue. So robocalls are still the biggest complaint that the FCC receives, with them being in the billions a month just here in the United States. And this yeah. is everything from your car warranties about to expire to, you know, you, you've been involved in a crime and we need your social security number or you'll be arrested type of thing. And, you know, anytime somebody reaches out, and tries to get your personal information over the phone or over an email or something like that, that should be a giant red flag. Reputable companies don't do that. The government's not going to call you. Uh, the police do not call you and tell you that they're going to arrest you unless you give them green dot, you know, uh, gift cards or something. Yeah, just, that makes no sense. It just doesn't work. But what's happening here is a good portion of the robocalls, and a big part of the reason why this has become such a problem in recent years is because of VoIP technology. It's now possible to place a call anywhere in the world. There's no long distance costs. There's no barriers like there used to be a long time ago, a long time ago being like 10 years ago. And <laughs> yeah. um, what the FCC and the Federal Trade Commission are both saying is that if the VoIP companies, there's a set of them um, that have been identified in this, that if they don't straighten things up and quit you know, creating a situation where it's easy for the bad actors to do this stuff, that they're actually going to cut their access to the United States uh, telephone network. And uh, it is definitely something that would help, I think. Um, yeah, probably. I don't know if it'd get them all out there, but it would certainly create a situation and at least be something. I know they've been trying in the last couple of months to become stricter on this. There's the shake and stir thing, which is basically that the caller ID has to be accurate. It's a technology designed to keep from spoofing where I can call you, but put a different name and phone number on the caller ID, all of those type of technologies. Uh, originally, they were asking the companies to voluntarily implement them. They didn't. So now that's being required. So they are taking steps to move in the right direction here, this being a part of it. Because at the end of the day, it's fine to have all of these laws and it's fine to put rules into place, but it's very difficult to enforce when the origin of, of a call, a robocall, whatever the case may be is somewhere outside of the country where you may or may not have jurisdiction. And if you do, it's more difficult to deal with it. Zoom targeted by hackers. And this is obviously a big deal because a lot of people have been using this lately. Yeah, it's as we've been having to stay home, Zoom and services like that have become very, very popular for being able to do video calls and, and various other things like that. And as such, the uh, bad guys are seeing this. 
and verified Zoom accounts have started appearing on the dark web for sale. And hmm. it seems like the information is being used for something called Zoom bombing is the term that's on here. Um, where they had one instance where, and, and it's, you know, from one standpoint, it's annoying, but from others, it can get quite dangerous. And one instance was a, uh, I believe it was a second grade classroom was online with about 30 uh, students and the teacher. And all of a sudden this porn video started playing and, uh, the, they'd been able to get in and override and send it out to all of the students that were watching it. And obviously that's criminal. You don't want stuff like that. But even if you're in a business call, and someone's just eavesdropping on the call, they still might be able to get confidential information. And just all in all, it's not a good thing. And Zoom said in a statement that they are looking into securing things. They, In their defense, they've had a whole bunch more users than they expected to, uh, something like a 10,000% growth in the space of a couple of weeks. Wow. But they also said that they were putting money behind developing technology specifically for Video conferencing and the security has lacked a little bit. So they're trying to get that taken care of on their end, but it is definitely something to be aware of. And it's also important that since Zoom has been kind of the primary actor with having these problems to know that some of the other video conferencing services do. So it's not like they're the only one, but they seem to be the one that's really kind of getting the headlines for it. So hopefully they'll be able to get that worked out pretty quickly. Sony reveals new new DualSense controller for PS5. Yeah, the PlayStation 5. So this is still up and coming. Uh, I've still seen dates of this fall for a release. And the controllers are a big deal. Um, the controllers can be so important. Back in the uh, first crash of video games in the 80s, one of the things that took Atari out on their 5200 model was bad controllers. They broke down and they didn't work right. So just as important as the graphics processor and the audio and that type of thing is the controllers. And Sony has always done a pretty nice job of this. I think Nintendo has been the most innovative with the motion control just because they had it working first. They didn't have it first, but they had it working first. But some of the changes we're going to see is they're um, getting rid of the share button for social media. And they're adding something called a create button, which will control that and do a number of other things. It's also going to have a USB-C port built into it, which is really nice. It's cool. going to have a built-in microphone. Um, there's actually an audio processor going in the controller. So uh, they're actually thinking this through, and there's some prototype pictures that are out there, and it looks like it's going to be pretty decent. It still has the feel of the original controller, the way that the pads are laid out and the thumb controls and all that kind of thing, but it is in of itself quite high-tech. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. As we are all having to make a lot of changes, your user-friendly hosts as well and not go out of our house, we're all up looking for things that we can do in the interim. And joining me today is Jerry Milani, Wizard World's PR director, who has been bringing some online events. Jerry, welcome to the show. Bill, thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. So let's start with what is a Wizard World virtual experience? Sure. So, you know, we finished our last live show, March 6, 7, 8 in Cleveland. We basically got out of Ohio right before uh, they closed down uh, Ohio. So we were very careful. I think fans were great at that show. 
but we had a gap in our schedule anyway. Our next scheduled live event is in June, and we've got a couple in June and one in August. So we had been thinking for a while about a way to kind of bridge the gap between times of our shows and also open up the kinds of things that people like about our events to a wider audience, especially geographically, since you know, we can't get to every state and everywhere in the country in a single year. So we had, we had kind of been planning ways to kind of do these kind of events. And you know, the germ of it was kind of back um, in 2018. We did an event in Chicago, and Sam Ewan from Outlander couldn't make the event, so he did it as a virtual and we watch people and their reactions to getting that one-on-one -on -one time and to, to still being able to participate in things. And that was kind of the germ of the idea. And so we announced, uh, you know, we worked on it. It kind of accelerated the process the, the last couple of weeks, uh, first couple of weeks in March after our event. So put this together and, you know, we're getting different groups of fandoms, different groups of shows, different groups of uh, of celebrities, whether it's from movies or shows, putting them together and creating what we call the virtual experience. So it's an opportunity for fans to, one, for free, participate by chat and also view these uh, almost like uh, the Zoom panels. They're basically a Zoom panel that we broadcast via Twitch, via Facebook, uh, via YouTube on our Wizard World channel. So it's a way for fans to to see these actors interacting with each other to maybe ask some questions via chat, uh, just like they might do uh, when they're at one of our shows. And then when you finish that segment, so it's about 45 to 50 minutes, uh, there's opportunity for fans to purchase one-on-one -on -one video chats. So we'll put you in the room with Jared Gilmore or with Ruth Connell or with James Marsters, and you get a couple minutes to chat with them. Uh, you can also get an autograph that's, that we, we produce, uh, and we also have them do, and you can also have a, uh, a video that they produce separately and send to you. But the really popular thing, I think, is that one-to-one -one video chat, which is something that really hasn't been offered by anyone else. So this sounds like a very unique thing, and I know before the interview we were talking a little bit, and you've uh, already done two of these. You're doing one, which will be this weekend, which will actually be happening as we air. Uh, tell us a little bit about the how the first two went. They went fabulously. The first time, you know, you do something and you're you're working out the technical glitches and, and everything before you get started. And we've got we got everybody on from the Supernatural group. It was Mark Shepard and Emily Swallow and Ruth Connell, Sebastian Roche, Timothy Omenson, and you know it was like old friends getting back together. It's it, for the celebrities. It's the same as for fans. They're stuck in their houses too. You know, they're not able to go out and do what they do, which is going to a studio and, and filming something and, and you know, traveling around the country to different events and things. They're not able to do that either. So for them, it was the five of them in this room and they were just having a good old time and people were asking questions and they were interacting with each other. And a lot of fans went for those individual pieces also. And then we saw even an uptick in that. We did the Once Upon a Time cast uh, on last Saturday, the 4th of April, and Jared Gilmore, Andrew J. West, Sean McGuire, Lee Ehrenberg, they had a great time interacting again with each other and with fans. And then the one scheduled on the Saturday, the 11th, uh, when we're, um, you know, here is a Buffy and Angel group. So James Marsters and Amber Benson and Claire Kramer, Emma Caulfield, Elizabeth Rome, Camden Toy, those are all celebrity guests who have been to a lot of our shows, know how to interact with fans, uh, and anticipate them being really enjoying uh, the, the time together as well. So if I'm understanding this correctly from the way you're explaining this, would almost be more of a one-on-one -on -one interaction in a way with the celebrities than you would have on the floor. 
different way to do it because in, when you're on the show floor, you get if you're getting an autograph from the celebrity, you get a little one-on-one -on -one time. It's not a lot. It's certainly not two minutes. Uh, it's usually time for a quick hello and what's your name and hey, I enjoyed so much the stuff that you do and thank you and the celebrity saying thank you for being a you know a fan of my work and and then they kind of move on to the next person because there's a real finite amount of time. And in this situation here, I mean, we've been saying two minutes, but I'll let the cat out of the bag a little. You actually get a little more time. Like it's pretty much, wow. you know, if, if, if someone's finishing a question or finishing an answer, we don't click the button off in the 121st second. Uh, it, it's, it's a natural conversation. They've gone very well. The celebrities, I think, are really appreciative of the fans just, just wanting to, to connect with them on this kind of a level. And we have seen that it's kind of a neat, it's, it's, it's a different experience. Um, whether that's better or, or worse for people, I don't know. But to everyone that, in the rooms that I've been working on, and I, I got lucky, I got Andrew J. West and Emily Swallow were the two that I were working with on the one-on-ones. And then they're just really tremendous with fans. And, uh, and the people who were in there really had a great time. And, and you know, we went over a little, for two minutes a little bit. But don't tell anybody. <laughs> sure. No, no worries. I won't. You already did. <laughs> So if somebody wants to participate, and I know a lot of our listeners will, uh, you'd go to the Comic-Con, you buy a ticket, you show up. How does someone get involved? Where do you get information and how do you sign up, I guess would be the word for this. Sure, you can go to wizardworld.com and we'll have the most recent ones that are announced up there. And then there'll be links on there for where to go in, uh, the Twitch feed, the YouTube feed. The, uh, the the Facebook Live feed, those are all free. You can even go back and watch the previous ones. They're archived. So anyone who wants to do that, just go watch it. You'll see how much fun these guys are having and gals talking to each other, interacting with fans there. That's all part of just we want to show fans that, you know, there, there's still entertainment out there. You know, people are, are consuming entertainment in different ways than they might have been uh, a month ago, two months ago. Um, and fandoms of these particular shows and these particular uh, groups, uh, that, that fandom is getting even stronger. And for the opportunity for fans to ask questions or even just see these guys and gals doing this is, is just kind of fun. We want you to go back and watch the previous ones. We want you to check out when they're live so you can be you know, participating. And hopefully it's someone that you're really interested in. The, the experience has been great for the folks who have done it. And I hope that uh, it's something that people, you know, see as something that they, you know, really would have fun with. All right, Jerry, thank you so much. Jerry Milani, Wizard World PR. Uh, hopefully we can have you back a little later in the year to talk about how this goes. And hopefully we'll be able to see you on the floor at that point again. Me too. I love all those things. Well, back here in the studio, that was actually a fun interview. I really enjoyed talking to him. And I think some of this stuff with the virtual online events is really kind of a cool and creative. It's really innovative, I think, and I think it's going to help people to keep their sanity. Yeah. yeah, as long as we're trapped inside and we can't go to our events, that's going to be the best way we're going to be able to see somebody we really want to see. And, you know, as Jerry said, the uh, celebrities are stuck inside, too. And I yeah. know all the way around, uh, you know, it's kind of a good thing to be able to have some kind of interaction. And it seems like Wizard World's actually pulled off a way to be able to have the interaction that's not physical, but the time that you get to talk to the celebrity is a little bit more than if you were on the show floor. Yeah, I think that's kind of cool. <laughs> so, But I think everybody joins me in the fact that I look forward to the next time that we all can gather at an actual physical event. Hopefully that will be sometime this year uh, in the near future. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break.
Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Send us your questions and comments as we are all self-isolating or quarantining. We still are getting a lot of questions and we still can answer them on the air, so keep them coming. One User Friendly on Facebook, one User Friendly on Twitter. You can also check out our podcast. We air live every Saturday afternoon, 5 Pacific. But if you're not able to listen to us then, the podcast is available immediately after that at theanswerportland.com. And we are now available as part of your Alexa Flash Briefing. Add the user-friendly skill to your Alexa settings, and you can hear what's new every week when it's new for the show. So we've been talking, again, a lot about self-isolating and these type of things. And a, a lot of countries seem like they're coming up with some unique ideas to be able to enforce this. Now, some of these are very negative. In fact, there was a report in the Philippines that there was a shoot-to-kill order if people went out. I'm not sure how true that is, but that was floating around. But some of the other things that I've seen out there are the use of drones. And uh, yeah. so this seems like something that's, uh, uh, well, for one thing, less lethal, but actually does kind of make sense. Well, I actually saw a video on my phone. It popped up. And I'm watching this, this thing flying around, you know, through uh, some small village where it was just cruising about. And I think it was spraying something. And it said, using drones to kill the coronavirus. Now, I'm like, uh, is this real? Would that really work? So, <laughs> I thought this was a good topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the possibility of using a drone to spray disinfectant or insecticide or something is certainly possible. And uh, I, I don't know how effective that would be. And we've seen some videos of, uh, of military or police and vehicles spraying insecticide up and down the side of the road. So, the one thing that something like that would have that would be an advantage is there's no need for human contact uh, because it's a drone. You right. Know? So yeah. It's, it's, it's a good use for them. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not going to have that other health uh, concern. And some of the other ways that I've seen it used for, in addition to what you're talking about, is just simply following people around that are outside and uh, telling them to not be outside, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And uh, again... It's the ability for law enforcement to have a way where there is no actual uh, physical connection, but uh, be able to still engage in law enforcement. And it's, you know, a unique way of doing it. Now, one of the other ones, and this was kind of uh, my favorite on seeing how this goes, is using a Dalek. So our Doctor <laughs> Who fans will know. People inside. Uh, yeah. Um, Especially the Brits. <laughs> yes. And that's where this was. It was a UK fishing village. And it was done as part of, partly prankster, but partly to get the idea across. Uh, by order of all Daleks, all humans must stay indoors. All humans must self-isolate. You can do that voice a lot better than I can. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I, I, right now, you just caught me off guard. I, I can do it. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, that being said, uh, it was kind of interesting to see a video of this thing roaming the streets of a, of a UK city, and there's you know, very few people out, of course, right now. So it sits there and goes up and down the, the street. In fact, what I'll do is uh, post a link to that video on our social media so you can look at it. Just kind of a fun thing for your day there. But hmm. uh, I don't know. Drones are coming into their own now. And uh, we're seeing a lot more use of this, although I don't think this would have been one of the uh, considered uses uh, until this whole COVID thing started. Uh Companies like Amazon and others are talking about using drones for delivery and have tested that out. And I can see some good things and some bad things with that. I don't know. Jeremy, what is your opinion on drones? Well, okay. The, there's two, th two different ideas. You've got the drones that are out doing something useful for everybody. 
And then there's the people out there trying to use the drones for doing pranks and horror and, and things that cause problems. Right. But with the battery technology and the idea of that if the drone is a certain size, it has to be registered with the FAA, you know, those things are going to slowly disappear. I know there's been a lot of problems with uh, them affecting like flights and things that can be actually be quite dangerous if uh, it's not handled correctly. And, you know, but that type of a thing would be someone causing a problem. It's not really even the tech. And we see this with a lot of things. When you get new technology in, the idea that um, it can be used for very positive purposes, but it can also be used to do things that aren't so good. You know, I'm wondering if somebody like Boston Dynamics that have made those weird dog-like creatures, could you <laughs> have something like that um, bring uh, somebody's uh, grocery order out to them or their Amazon order or whatever? You know, like you go almost like to a drive-up and you stop and then the creature, or I'm calling them creatures or machines, comes out, brings the item, and then um, then you can drive on your way and you don't expose some person in a store. Yeah, that, all those type of things I think would be a great use. There's actually a service in New York that's been testing that out using ro robots to deliver and within close range of the restaurant it works. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now will be Steve Mailer, who's bringing us a guest who is an Italian-based textile manufacturing company representative. They specialize in creating athletic apparel, but not right now. They've modified production to provide hundreds of thousands of protective face masks in the face of COVID-19. Thanks, guys. We're here talking to Joni Taylor, who is the National Sales Director for Tex Market USA. Joni, welcome to User Friendly. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's our pleasure. What is Tex Market USA and what does it do? Tex Market USA is the U.S. sales office for North American sales of our company. The company is an Italian company with manufacturing in Romania, and we build sportswear for both brands and made-to-order cycling, running, triathlon, also team sports, yoga, fitness wear, etc. Okay, do you do manufacturing for well-known brands, or is it mostly like small like boutique shops? Absolutely, that's a great question. We are probably the biggest manufacturer brand that you've never heard of. Anybody who's participating in, you know, cycling, running, triathlon, yoga, fitness, is probably wearing our apparel, but it's manufactured under the name of somebody else. So we like to call ourselves the biggest brand you've never heard of. And we do very large brands, very small brands, and then also team and shop apparel as well. Our customers run the spectrum of corporate corporations who like to have their employees wear their own branded apparel. So we do corporate apparel, big shops, small shops, Tour de France teams. Wow. You name it, we can do it. And we're sort of a green company in that we don't build things that aren't pre-sold. We build to order. There's no waste. So it's really kind of cool. 
It sounds actually, it sounds really efficient. I, I love your tagline: "We're the the biggest brand you've never heard of." That's kind of cool. So, yeah. uh, and now you mentioned that you that your manufacturing is out of the country of Romania. Have they been adversely affected by COVID nineteen? Like, in other words, if someone ordered something from you, would there be an impact to getting that product from you at this point? That's another good question, Steve. Um, actually, we have three manufacturing sites in Romania. We have one in India, and we're an Italian company. So we have sales office. Our mother office is in uh, northern Italy, which was hard hit by this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. And as a green manufacturing company and in manufacturing in general, we wear gowns, we wear masks. We wear okay. eye covering. And our employees are staying fairly far apart. We've taken old buildings in Romania from 100 years ago and we reinvented them as clothing manufacturing companies. So we have a lot of space. Uh-huh. One thing that we have done is our employees are now seated further apart okay. and we're running in three separate shifts. So uh-huh. we we can manufacture 24 hours a day wow. with different ships coming in. And Romania was not hard hit. Okay. Well, that's good Italy. to hear. But it sounds like the way that you do production workflow at your plant, it's almost like you were ready made for something like this to happen because it hasn't really impacted the way you do things. I mean, it hasn't yet. Okay. It certainly, cl- because we're building software, hygiene and clean, so we wear gloves, we wear these when we're building clothing because, you know, people are running or, or cycling or whatever in our stuff. And, and, um, and also we deal with inks and sublimation and it's just... It's mostly been to take care of our employees that we've always worn protective gear. So I think in that regard, we've come out in a pretty fortunate place. Mm -hmm. That's actually good to hear. Given all the negative things that we're hearing, it's nice to hear that uh, there are still some positives. Is there a, a, a size limitation or a size minimum that a company or an organization has to order from you? It sounds like you're much more able to produce less on an as-request basis. So we're pretty flexible in that we can do 10,000, 100,000 orders, mm-hmm. or we can do an order of 30 pieces, Got 50 it. pieces. One of the things with this pandemic is we've moved from not only producing sportswear to manufacturing masks and face coverings Outstanding. for the world. Outstanding. Um, yeah, so we are doing, normally our lead times are six weeks for things. We've been producing masks and collar cuffs, which are any people wear them around their necks and then you can pull them over your faces and we do them in three sizes for children women and men and then uh, a face mask which is not in 95 but it is what we're you know as we're saving the n95 masks for the world who the frontline workers sure, yep these are masks that at least help keep the disease, in, you know, to the people. So it, it's a safety precaution, and we're able to produce these in three to five days. We sent 150,000 almost immediately to the South Tyrol area of Italy where our offices are. Uh-huh. Um, but we taken on producing masks, and I'm actually, on Monday, launching, launching these in the United States 
they're low cost and we are committed to getting them out to whoever needs them. Amazing. We just switched manufacturing to start producing these to cover a need in Europe and in two weeks we sold uh, half a million of them. Wow. So we are busy as can be. We're still <laughs> doing cycling, running, and triathlon. Sure. Um, but our focus is because we do believe that this whole year is going to be a year of um, some sort of social distancing and um, that we feel it's important to make this a priority. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That's a great response to what's going on. And it's neat that your production facilities have been able to do that and deliver those because that makes an, an amazing difference. Uh, so, Joni, if someone wanted to uh, contact Market USA to place an order or get more information on what you do, uh, how would they do that? Good question, Steve. So uh, we are in Reno, Nevada. Our phone number is 775-737-9501. Or you could email me at joni at techmarket-usa.com. Again, thank you for joining us here on User Friendly, Joni. It was a pleasure learning about what your company does. Keep up the great work because uh, we certainly need it out there. Uh, Bill, Jeremy, and Gretchen, let's take it back to you in the studio. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. Yeah. Yep. You know, I think it's kind of fun to see how a lot of different companies are adapting and trying to just offer, you know, something to uh, keep going, but be real creative at it. I really had a lot of fun with the Wizard World interview. And uh, I think it's kind of just interesting to see because, you know, like what he said, what Jerry said, the celebrities are also stuck at home. So yeah. it's yeah. like, why not create a situation where you can still have an experience where you meet somebody, even if it's virtually? You and, know, um, uh, back in times like World War One and World War Two, a lot of inventions came out of the necessity of having to do things differently. Yeah. Uh, you know, like even was it nylon was invented mm -hmm. during World War Two. So I think we might see some innovations while people try to deal with doing things differently. Yeah, and perhaps necessity really is the mother of invention, you know? Yeah. It's, mm -hmm. it's a matter of detecting the needs and, and finding a solution to those, those problems. Although, I do have to say with some other things, I still think that one news headline, the idea of people burning cell phone towers is a little weird. I'm always <laughs> medieval. Yeah, well, yeah. it's the idea of not knowing enough or getting the wrong information and believing it because you didn't bother to check it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really what it comes down to. There, there's been a lot of debate over the safety of 5G. And I, for just my own personal opinion, I don't think it's any better or worse than any other, uh, you know, they call it radiation. It's electromagnetics, and it has to do with the signals. And the reason why there's a concern is because for 5G to work is you have to have a lot more transmitters. So instead of just cell phone towers, there's devices that are put on the light poles in town and all of that kind of stuff. And uh, the idea is, well, we don't have enough data. Well, they don't. It's a new technology. And the studies that are out there that talk about this type of thing with cell phones, 
don't usually cover 5G. It all goes through the 4G because when the studies were done, that's what it was. But nevertheless, they're deploying the networks in some places and some of it works. It's still got a few bugs to get worked out of it. From one of the things I know is in areas where they've set this up, uh, you default back to the 4G, which keeps things going. But in a lot of cases, 5G doesn't work inside yet. So it's actually still blocked by the building walls and some things oh, wow. like that. So, you know, I didn't realize that. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just, when it comes out, it's great. And then the other thing, of, it's going to be great when they get it to work. And then the other thing to realize is if you are buying a new phone and want to get 5G, there's two different versions of it. Um, it so like the uh, Samsung 20 that's coming out uh, that does 5G, the lesser priced one does the slower and the more expensive one will later do the faster. So it's just something to be prepared for. It's two different ways of implementing it. One's basically they can get it out there quicker and call it 5G. But it's still, you know, there, there's still some bugs to work out of it. So anyway, send us your questions and your comments. We're here, 503-766-6264. One user-friendly on Facebook and Twitter. This is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0 is copyright 2020, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed in this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or the station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by WeAreTechnology.com. Podcast available at TheAnswerPortland.com or UserFriendlyShow.com.